Welcome to the WorkJoy Jam. I am not your host, Beth Storwood. I'm your guest host, Simon Arrowsmith. And with me is a very, very special guest. <laughs> it's Beth Storwood. <laughs> Hello, Simon. Thank you so much for sitting in my seat today as yes. the interviewer, the host. It feels very weird to be on the other side of the desk, as mm. it were, and being interviewed today, but I'm very excited. And thank you so much for joining me and being the host, the guest host with yeah. the most today. <laughs> well, I'm excited too. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing all about why we're doing this special episode and getting into it. So why don't you tell us why we're doing a special episode? Okay, so I'm going to tell you why. We are doing a special episode because... I am about to launch my first ever book. <laughs> da, 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 Amazing. Uh, which is, here we go, as demonstrated by my not so glamorous Lovely. myself, uh, Work Joy, a toolkit for a better working life. So, depending on when you're listening to this, if you've got it on the first day it's come out, it's coming out next week, the book. Um, but if you're coming back and listening to this episode, um, the Work Joy book is out there. So, it is my first book. Uh, it's a bit of a labour of love. And we thought that I could be a guest on the Work Joy Jam and talk a bit about the book and act like a guest rather than a host. And then I was like, who should be the host with the most? And I was like, well, none other than Simon Arrowsmith, the best storyteller <laughs> in the world, should be that host. So here he is. Amazing. I, I mean, I, I think it, first off, congratulations, because this is a monumental feat. I, when did we started talking about this book? Like, we were in lockdown, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was pandemic times. And I mean, goodness, and here we are. So, okay, let's start by thinking about why did this book need to be written and who's it for, do you think? Okay. Oh, big questions. So I suppose I'll go a little bit further back in that I've probably always wanted to write a book. It's always been something that's been on my mind. And I didn't really have a subject to write about. So I never really got there. And then during the first lockdown, I was thinking about this concept of work joy and started to think about how I could pull like 20 years worth of working with people, working with organisations together into something that would help people have more fun, more joy, more magic in their working lives. And I started thinking about it and I started writing it, in fact, probably nearly three years ago, definitely two wow. and a half years ago. And I started the whole process and I was looking at what do I include in it? And I looked at like what the chapters would be and what's what's the kind of vibe of it. And I spent quite a long time, you know, a good few months working all that out with a wonderful um, book coach and publisher, Alison Jones at Practical Inspiration Publishing, who are the publishers of the book. And we spent lots of time working through it. I did lots of development work. I wrote things like what are the top things I want to include in each chapter? And then I went and put it in the freezer for a while. I put it on ice <laughs> for a little while because I wanted to do some more digging, do some more detail, do some more research and also get different perspectives on it. So I think we probably first talked because you are at what I should say is the story of the podcast, the Work Joy Jam is Simon is the reason that there is a Work Joy Jam <laughs> podcast because I was chatting with Simon and I went, oh, I really want to do a podcast because probably even more than I wanted to write a book, I've always wanted to do a podcast. And 
but I said, Simon, I said, I can't do a podcast because I don't get the technology and I'm really scared about it. Ah. <laughs> and Simon, you said to me, basically, you didn't say it in these words. You basically said, stop being an idiot. It's really easy. And... I would say such an awful thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you said the magic words, which is if you record them, I'll do the production for you. Yeah. And that's in your like area of zone of genius. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it, it would not have happened had it not be for you, Simon. So you, you should take some credit for that. So I did the podcast. I put the a theory of WorkJoy into a coaching program called the WorkJoy Way. And we've had lots of people work through that program. So we've got amazing stories of people who've managed to go from what I call work gloom into really great work joy, uh, really enjoying their careers, really getting out of their work, what they want to get out of it. Um, and I've created a club as well. So we've got a community of people who come together on this subject of work joy. And then eventually I was like, okay, now I've, I've, I've done all these other things. <laughs> I should probably actually write this book that I started it, yeah. writing. <laughs> you know, when you think, okay, time to put pen to paper, obviously typing to work document, but you know, effectively pen to paper. And I started writing it, um, fully engaged with it at the beginning of January, 2022. And it's coming out in January, 2023. And I think the reason I want it written is, And why I think it's important, we spend, as human beings, we spend um, about a third of our entire lives at work or working. And the whole pandemic thing of are we at work, are we at home, etc. Kind of just you think about when we are working, wherever we do that, whatever our context is, at home, in an office, in a hospital, in a school, in a factory, wherever it is that work is being done, it's a third of our entire lives. And remember, we spend like a third of our entire lives sleeping as well. So, you know, well, it doesn't leave... More for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, sleep is the basis of my well-being. So mm. always value your sleep. Snap, same. <laughs> <laughs> but I think here there's this, a lot of people, there's a massive joy gap in people mm. in their lives, in their working lives. And work can be a source of massive amounts of kind of real life affirming, joyful, brilliant, exciting, engaging stuff. But it can also be massively frustrating, annoying, can be boring. It can be downright soul destroying (laughs) in some situations, right? So we have these two extremes. And the interesting thing is those extremes can actually exist in the same job with the same person. Of course, yeah. Because work is not just one set thing. There are so many things that are encountered in it. And what I wanted to do with the book is to help people find a way where they can have great levels of work joy, not 100% because we live in the real world, but be able to really enjoy the work they do to spend that third of their lifetime actually having a good time, or at least most of it. You know, there's always going to be stuff that annoys us, but Mm. because that's real life. And, you know, there's organizations and policies and there's, you know, technology that frustrates us and all kinds of things that will happen. But actually being able to do stuff that makes us feel good is a great thing to have and I just don't want everyone to spend their lives being miserable at work I feel like Mm. it's a (laughs) it's such a waste of your potential and such a waste of your creativity and your energy to be miserable to have that sense of work gloom so my plan is with the book is to help more people do that that's what I want to do amazing did that actually answer your question it did okay it it answered it very well um so this concept of work joy is is really interesting to me. Um, the idea, and particularly the way you described just then, the fact that joy and not sorrow, but joy and frustration, <laughs> or joy and the tensions of work, can 
coexist at the same time. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your personal experience of, of work joy? What's it, what's it been like for you in your role? Yeah, it's really interesting because I've worked in lots of different contexts and in lots of different industries. And I've almost, I'd call myself a bit of an adventurer when it Mm. comes to my career. Um, I've done things like I worked in customer service, in call centers. I've worked in learning and development. Like Simon's laughing because we've had a very similar similar, similar journey through life and then moved into learning and development, moved into HR, looked after people stuff. Mm. I've done it in um, retail. I worked in... Uh, financial services I worked in the public sector I've worked in sport and now I work um in my own business or businesses really and I think that adventure through things and being able to see different contexts and different ways of working different purposes different values I've always been able to find the joy in what I do partly because I really love work. Like I think work can be all those wonderful things, but also partly because each time there was challenges, when I felt the work gloom, I was able to find ways of exploring it and understanding it and kind of doing something about it. And to really have, I mean, it's in the book, there's a whole section on like, what's the work joy mindset? What are the things Mm. that we can do to get our mindset there? And I think I developed that as I was working without even knowing that was what I had done. (laughs) You can kind of work through it. And being able to find the joy and being able to say, actually, as well, that my time here is done. And I think right. sometimes we overstay yeah. in organizations. But I was always really clear about, like, you know, if this job is done, I'm done. And I'm ready to move on and kind of try something different and explore something new. That's not for everyone. Some people like to go really deep and stay in places. But you have to work out for yourself what's really great for you. Yeah. And then by doing it for myself, I've been able to kind of translate that. And how do I do it for other people? And how do I help other people? And there are just some key things that you can do, like thinking about your mindset, thinking about your values, thinking about your boundaries, thinking about what's important to you in your career, thinking about what kind of boss do you want to work for? And that's really, for me, what I did and then what I've helped other people do. And that's the guidance and the kind of real life practicality that's in the book. Yeah, and it is it is a very practical book. It's a practical manual. Why is that important rather than just, you know, talking about theoretical stuff, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I did have a moment a couple of months ago when we were going through the um, kind of typesetting process and the whole, like, the book's written now and, like, it's it's in the, the machine of publishing where I went oh, do you think I should have made it more theoretical? Should I have done more? And I, I like had, I had like a proper, people would call it imposter syndrome moment about yeah. the fact that I, you know, I've this isn't a PhD thesis and I haven't got all... Like Evans. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, what am I doing? Um, but for me, I am like a massive nerd. You'll see my, mm. this is just my, most of my books from a work perspective. The rest of them are in home. Like I am a massive, massive nerd for learning. I love it. And I love reading all the books. And what I found with so many books is I love the theory. So Mm. I love a bit of theory. I love a little model to help you understand stuff. I love the research. I love the numbers. But often when I was reading a book, I was kind of craving, so what's next? What do I actually do? How do I actually make this stuff happen? So when you talk about things like boundaries, okay, so I know boundaries are really important, but how do I actually implement them in my life? So what I decided to do with this book, and I hopefully kept myself honest with this, is to use the theory to inform it, but to actually make it a practical toolkit where people could go and say, hang on a minute, whether they want to read the whole thing, like you could read it beginning to end and it 
hopefully makes sense there. But also you might kind of pick out some things and say, actually, I want to look at this and I want to look at this. You can go and do it and there's practical things. And in addition to the book itself, um, you'll be able to download a workbook from mm. the website cool. to work alongside it. So for me, some people don't like writing in books. You know, it's like, no, we must keep them pure. Now, I'm, I'm a, I am I'm would scribble I, all over yeah, mine. It depends on the book. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the book and it depends on what's going to happen to it afterwards. But that's a whole other podcast. That's yeah. a whole other thing. <laughs> but there is a downloadable templates with things that you Great. can write on, things nice. that you can work on. So keeping it like in that, let's go and take something and do it practically. I talk a lot about experimenting, like giving some stuff a go. You don't have to be successful at everything. You can just give it a chance and see where yeah. things go to. So for me, it is informed by theory, but it's also informed by 20 years worth of practice yeah. as a coach, as a trainer, as a person who helps organizations to work in the right way. So it's it's theory practical but the main bit is it's a toolkit that you can go and actually use and hopefully make a difference in your life and I don't I say hopefully with a actually I know because there's many people who've worked through these exercises we have tested tried and tested stuff <laughs> and they have actually made a difference yeah. to people. and it's thorough I mean you know you haven't left many stones unturned you know you talk about life values boundaries stories learning squads very interesting um Careers, organization, bosses, goals. I mean, if you had to pick one essence of work joy for you, which which do you think, do, can you? And if you can, which one would it be? <laughs> oh, um, can I pick a couple? Because I'm not very good at picking Go on, one. I'm gonna I'll pick let you. <laughs> I think... I'll be very generous today. <laughs> You'll be very generous. <laughs> I think the first thing I would say is um, ignore all the chapters for a minute. I think the very essence of work joy is understanding that if you take personal responsibility for this, it is it is within your power. It's within your gift. Mm. I always think of it as Dorothy with her ruby slippers. <gasps> like she had the power all along. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. me, I think in musicals. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I work. But you have, the, you have the power to change this stuff. And I think one of the things where people get stuck in that work gloom state is when they forget that they have the power to do some stuff about it. So mm. the first thing for me is a big sense of personal responsibility and you can make this happen. You can't change everything, but if you control the controllables, we all know that yeah. good things can happen. So I think that would be my first thing. I think the second thing, and it's actually kind of the big first chapter, is about reminding ourselves that work fits into life right. and that our life is a big thing, first of all. And I personally, and it's written all over the book, hate the term work-life balance. Yeah. I find it really, <laughs> really frustrating. Mm. The idea that number one, work comes first in that sentence. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I just like, and you know, ordering makes a difference in terms of what you say. Yeah, absolutely. Work comes first and life comes second and they're supposed to be in balance what's very, that all about it's a very so victorian me, view isn't it <laughs> it's, it's just it's just so unhelpful yeah. because sometimes we, we all know this big project going for a big promotion and um, big career move changing organizations sometimes work is like like right out front yeah equally life moving house having kids getting married doing anything in life <laughs> having a hobby having a anything that you want to do having a dog whatever it is yeah. Sometimes life becomes the kind of main focus. And what I just advocate for is that we think about life as like a big balloon and that inside of it, you can have different balloons in there. And in, so in that will be work somewhere. And you've got to think about how does that fit into your life? Yeah. So I think, first of all, 
the life thing is really, really important because we need to take a step back and kind of get that helicopter view that we're not talking about our entire life when we're talking about work, but we are thinking about how does work fit into our life. Sure. And I think if we can get that perspective first of all, which is why it's like the first chapter, it will really help to think about all the other things. And there are two others that I would pick. I should say we're going to have three. The two <laughs> others I would pick are, you won't, you probably won't be surprised about this, bearing in mind that you are like the storytelling man, um, is I think stories is really important. But I would take that from the angle of we need to really understand the stories that are going on in our heads mm. and the whether they're based in reality or based Absolutely. in fantasy. And like 80% of the stuff that goes on in here is just made up. Oh, yeah. And it's dramatised. And it's like... Mole, mountains where mole hills once stood and we kind of yeah. have all these interactions and the stories that exist in my head versus your head the stories about me in your head the stories about you in my head the stories about us and other people there's so much complexity there yeah. but actually we have the power to rewrite our own stories mm. and I like to think of like Natasha Bedingfield off of the early 2000s like the rest is yet unwritten you haven't written the rest of your career story the rest of your life story I, I'm not going to talk entirely about music but I just think it's going to come in I just can't help myself it's going to say it's just it's just another day isn't it we're talking it's about natasha, natasha beddingfield <laughs> i mean who remembers natasha beddingfield i do was it these things i love these things oh, that's yeah. a great song anyway oh, yeah. back on track a pocket, a pocket full of sunshine yeah that's another one anyway um what was i at? so i think there's something here about taking the decision to kind of write the rest of your story yeah. and to be the the kind of core character sure. in your story. So often we put our bosses as a core character or the people we work with or our families, but actually you're the protagonist of your own yeah. story. Take yeah. some ownership and work with it. And then the other one, you mentioned it was around squads. And I think, oh my God, I want to say all the chapters, but the squads one for me is thinking about who do you have in your world who can enable, who can support, who can make the joy happen for you. And we look at it on kind of six different characters almost of what people bring and what you might need a little bit of more, more of. And some people need more challenging. Some people need, need more cheerleaders. And I, I think it's just really interesting to think about who is around you mm. because the people that you surround yourself with will help determine how much joy you can get. Absolutely. Of those three... Is there one that is, you know, personally meaningful to you? Have you got some sort of examples of, you know, when Ooh. you view stories or your squad or? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, definitely my squad would be the the one I would pick. And like Simon, clear, clear person in my squad. And you, <laughs> you fill quite a few roles, actually, I would say. Oh. I think you're a massive cheerleader. I also think you challenge me on stuff. I actually just get on with it and <laughs> make stuff happen. Um, so it's really lovely to have people. And I think especially in my world, because, you know, six years ago, I left the world of employment and I went, I'm going to go and work for myself <sighs> and <laughs> kind of stepped out on this big adventure. And I am a sort of person who I'm really happy to step into that, but I need to know there's people around me. And one of yeah. the, one of the big things that I was really worried about. So I probably should have been worried about whether I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, when you leave him, yeah, yeah. haven of employment, which, and I loved my job, right? I absolutely loved my job. I loved where I worked, but I'd kind of come to the end of what I was able to do yeah. in that world. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do this. <laughs> but I wasn't worried about all that stuff. I probably should have been, but what I was worried about is I was really worried about losing that sense of team and losing the, sure. the sense of people around you to support yeah. you. And when you go out on your own, that's a, a scary moment. But I have spent a lot of time over many, many years cultivating a group of a network, 
whatever you'd call it, I would call it a squad of people who are there, people who can challenge me, people who are there lifting me up when I'm feeling a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, or this is hard, or it's like, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. Of people who bring a bit of magic into your life, of people who help you think differently and be creative. So I think for me, that one personally, especially on my journey from employment into business founding, business running, business yeah. success, has and continues to be the thing that helps me get work joy. Like mm. I love people. I wouldn't do the job I do if I didn't love people, right? I find yeah. everyone fascinating. And I think having that group and it continues to grow and it continues to morph and different people come in and out of mm. your world. But actually being able to really value that and utilize it. And remember that asking for help is like one of the best things you can do. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And I often ask too late. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm having, I'm having a nightmare. Let me ask now. And you're like, why didn't you do this a week ago? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think I think for me that's really important. I think for other people, it depends on where you are in your career, what mm. your preferences are. And I think that's a big message of work joy as well. Is there although there are things you can do, the exact combination of factors and things that will work for you is going to be unique to you because you're an individual. Yeah. So take the advice and then go and explore and experiment with which way works for you. Yeah. You said before that, you know, you had to leave the job you're in just because you felt it was time. This isn't yeah. a book though. That's about, you know, how to leave your job or how to fix yourself and your attitude at work. A lot of people though, they do kind of hover around that liminal little space or of, of, should I stay? Should I go? You know, especially at this time of year when we're we're thinking about, oh, what's what's on the horizon? What's next? What will I do after my bonus is paid out? Yeah. <laughs> says says also, the person that maybe did that several twelve years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got my bonus now. Bye. Well, I, uh, I mean, what would what advice would you give people who are thinking like this time of year? Should I stay or should I go? Yeah, and you're the one who's bought the music reference in just there. <laughs> don't get me dancing I won't be able to think um so I think this whole question should I stay or should I go is one where we are in a state of possible work gloom so this is what often we're in a state of work gloom and the easiest option sometimes seems to be well I'll just go somewhere else because somewhere else you know shiny recruitment website you know the person who's like oh you should come and work here it's one <laughs> and pretending that there's no challenges in this organization mm. and you know what we'll pay you a bit more money and you won't ever have any problems ever again if you come and work for us <laughs> you know the ones right I do. yeah it's great and then you get there and you go oh <laughs> and that was all smoke and mirrors oh. and actually this is the real world and the real world of organizations is there is no such thing as a perfect one yeah and i think remembering that is really important and i whether you and if you but you can also leave from a place of joy and you can go do you know what I've done my work here and I'm really happy with what I've yeah. done I've, I'm kind of leaving my legacy and I'm going going forward to something so my first bit of advice is if you are in that space and you know tis the season uh, <laughs> when we're coming into if you're listening to this around launch time tis the season when people start thinking about this stuff and start going right I'm going to leave now if you're being pulled towards something new more than you're being pushed away from something, you're probably in a good space for a decision about yeah. moving on. If you're doing it because you want to escape where you are, 
you probably need to do some work on yourself and on your work joy first before you move on. Because I can tell you now, if you go from being gloomy into a new organization, you're probably still going to be gloomy because you haven't fixed the stuff that's going Mm. on inside. And if you can fix the stuff that's going on inside, and I don't mean fix in a way of like you're broken. I mean, fix in a way of, oh, hang on a minute. That is the thing I do not like about this organization. So my new organization needs to either not have that or have that thing managed. Yeah. Or this is the thing I really love about this organization. So I really love that, even though I'm gloomy and I don't like it. This is the thing I really love. So I really love my boss or I really love the purpose or I really love my colleagues whatever it is that you really love, you need to make sure that you can either replicate or even increase that in the new job. But Mm. what people tend to do is they just go, I just need to forget about all this stuff because this is all bad. So we tend to go, it's all bad, big drama, everything's rubbish. And I need to go somewhere new. (laughs) But by going somewhere new, sometimes you just repeat the same process over and over again. So my thing would be before you do any kind of escaping where you are, do a little expedition around your organization for anything that does bring you joy try to understand what it is and try to understand both those things I mean generally in life I would say know what it is that brings you joy and know what it is that doesn't and that will help you make the right decision it'll help you make the right thing and I think the other thing is when you're looking at a new organization look for the things that are going to bring you joy in it but also do your due diligence before you join don't believe the hype get some real facts from people who work there really get a sense of is this the right place for you I mean also I'd be thinking about I I think it's really important that you have the right boss in your world like who are you going to work for because they're the people that you have so much interaction with uh they're the people who kind of make or break your day yeah make sure that you're going to go and work with somebody who is going to light you up who's going to support you who's going to have your back who's going to challenge you but in the right way who's going to help you with your career or whatever it is that you want to do so I think it's a case of a bit of an expedition around your organization to kind of find what the joy is and where it's at and you might well do the thing which I call fall back in love with your organization sometimes you can go oh do you know what yeah that's actually quite good I really like that yeah or sometimes you make a decision you go do you know what right now I'm going to stay even though there is some bloom here because it fulfills 10 other criteria in my life that I really need if that's right and that's just real life yeah it is real life and I think sometimes we expect organizations in the workplace to be better than real life almost because perhaps because it's a managed environment I I think about a, a friend a good friend who went through this kind of about a year ago convinced that the working environment that they were in was so wrong for them was kind of neglected by their manager to be honest with you went through that those those very familiar things that we we all know about um but sort of stuck it through tried put some feelers out to some other place and we've got some really good um you know offers and things but he was sort of determined to stick it out and start to find the thing now flash forward a year i don't think he's ever been as happy in work Mm. because he's focused on the things that make that place a great place and yeah. he's ex- learned to accept it's not perfect yeah i i guess with those people who are going through work gloom great great uh, <laughs> great name by the way work gloom you know if you're coaching them you must hear a lot of negative stories um about their experiences and about perhaps where they work but the tone of the book really is not negative at all it's very positive what what keeps you believing that you can turn work gloom into work joy if you if you're kind of maybe getting feedback all the time that there's a lot of work 
gloom about. Yeah. And first of all, I will tell you um, that it wasn't originally called work gloom. <laughs> uh, but it was called something that was slightly unpublishable. <laughs> 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 uh, so I, I won't share it but work gloom is where we got to because kind of the the sense of gloom is like you kind of have that oh and yeah. you know when you don't have a spring in your step and you kind of like are oh, you're starting to become the computer says no person and you're starting to be a bit like oh, about stuff for me that just says gloom it doesn't say it doesn't say like you can't get out of it it just says it's, it's gloomy here yeah. And I think there's something there about actually how do we help people step out of that? Number one, we all as human beings have negativity bias, right? We all have it. We will see a tiny little thing of something bad and assume it's this big. Mm -hmm. And we will see a big pile of great stuff and make it this big. Like that's just what our brains do. And then we focus on this thing and then we get really into it and then we analyze it and then we get deep into it and we're like, (laughs) and you kind of find yourself in that like downward spiral yep. but actually if you focused over here on this massive pile of great stuff we'd be like oh isn't that wonderful now it's there in our brain it helps keep us safe all of that kind of stuff so it's a good thing but it's also something where we need to kind of realign it and I think actually one of the things I get people to do and it's something you can go and download from the create work joy website right now it's called work joy how do you get yours hmm. it's to spend one working week tracking what brings you joy and tracking what brings nice. you nice lovely it's really simple. And then doing some reflection exercises after it. Again, download, write in it, scribble all over it, go for it. Um, so that's one thing I get people to do at the beginning of any kind of coaching thing I'm working with them on. It's part of the Work Joy Way program. And it's a freebie out there. Go download it now. Um, is number one, just reminding yourself what's in those piles yeah. is a good thing. And it helps you just kind of go, oh. And I've had some people come to me and go, I did that exercise. And do you know what? Now I know this, everything else is easier. Like everything becomes slightly easier. So yeah. I no longer feel as gloomy because I realize I put this little tiny thing into proportion. And I've gone, oh, okay. And kind of it gets you to the neutral zone. So there's yep. like gloom, neutral, joy. And actually in a normal day at work, you'll probably experience joy and neutral, maybe a bit of gloom and then kind of move around mm. <laughs> doing some weird like hand movement here. <laughs> when you read the book, people, you will see that there's a lovely illustration of what I'm talking about with my <laughs> random hand movement. But that kind of, new, if, you, it's really hard to go from uh, work gloom to work joy. You mm. need to go through neutral. Sure. So the first thing is, how do you get yourself to some kind of neutral zone where you can look at things rationally and logically and work with your the wonderful human bits of your brain that can go, oh, I'm going to count these things and count these things and know this and know that and be able to focus in the right direction. And I think what keeps me being positive, first of all, is like, I'm not a glass half full person. I'm a glass overflowing person. Like, <laughs> Sometimes people need to really glue me down. <laughs> right? That's, it's kind of personality driven. So that's part mm. of it. But the other, and actually the more serious part of it, is I have seen people go from what I would call chronic work gloom, mm. where they cannot even think about feeling any joy, to either being in the same place and having found it, having re-looked at the stuff that works for them and being like, right, I'm going to do it. Or gone, do you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. Not because... I just need to move away from this, but because what is here is no longer serving me. It's no longer the thing that brings me joy. Sometimes we've outgrown an organization. Sometimes we've outgrown a job. Sometimes we've just been with the same people for too long. We need to have something fresh and new. Sometimes things change in organizations. Sometimes, all the time, things are changing. Teams change. 
priorities change, we get made redundant, we have all of these kind of like life experiences within work that influence where we go. But I have seen so many people be able to change it. And actually, from stuff that doesn't take you immense amounts of money, doesn't take you immense amounts of time, doesn't require you to kind of like hurt yourself through the process. But by doing really small things that change your mindset, that help you focus on the things that are going to make the biggest difference. And, you know, I reckon probably with 10, 15 minutes a day, within six months, you could fully change your 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 work and life experience. Yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting that that idea that you've got to get to neutral before you can get to joy. Um, I think this probably relates to my next question, which is, um, you know, when if if you're listening to this when it's first broadcast, it's it's the new year, it's that time yeah. when people are setting goals, and that's one of the chapters in the book as well. Um, what is the secret of setting a goal and then actually sticking to it? <laughs> Now, how do, how do I set a goal to get to neutral? I'm just grab my magic wand. <laughs> magic wand. <laughs> just... <laughs> Bearing in mind, this whole book is based in what's the reality. I'm going to go for right. there is no secret, but there are some things that you can do and different things will work for different people. I think the first thing is in the book, I have something which I call the proud framework, which is let's assess the goal we're setting right. to see if it's actually one we really want. Ah. Right. So it's like, actually, do I really want this? Is it at the yeah. right level? Is it the right size? Have I considered all the options and opportunities? Am I excited by it? Do I really want to do it? Have I got the determination to make it mm. happen? And I also think there's something about like the New Year's resolution type of goals where we go, <laughs> I'm going to ride my bike to work every day this year, right? Yeah, I am. Cause... I have had this goal. I have this goal, right? You've had this goal. Um, and I, I, I work did have from that home. goal. Yeah, right. I've achieved <laughs> you know, mine. Achieved done. Um, but I, I had this goal once. Um, like you set it in January. And then I realized that where I was, I had to uh, ride my bike and cross the South Circular. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. and you know i had seen many people being hit by cars nope, on their nope, bikes on the south nope. and then i realized oh it's january and we live in the uk <laughs> and it's rained constantly for 17 days and i don't really like it and when i get to work i'm really sweaty so then i have to you know go and get a shower and then my clothes are you know it's just and it's just mm. like this goal is stupid so number one there is a there is a let's just check on our goal is this nice. goal actually something we want to do? Is it the right timing? Is it the right season? Now, mm. had that been the summer, maybe that would have been a great goal to have. But yeah. try and do it in January when it's dark and scary and rainy. Cold. And cold. Yeah. Just, nah. nah. So I think there's something around, you know, really assessing if the goal is something we really want. Sometimes we go along with other people's goals. You know that one where someone's like, I need to get someone in my squad to really help me. Ooh, you get all excited because then we're like, oh, I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we set goals that are too big yeah and we haven't broken them down into their component pieces so we feel like we're not achieving it and sometimes we have goals that are so small that they're not exciting enough and I personally advocate for big goals that are really really exciting but that you break down into the tiniest 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 do it in 10 minutes part yeah 
and work towards it. And in the book also, there's some guidance that comes from the world of psychology around how do you kind of hack your habits mm. to be able to help you. So things like habit stacking, to put it onto stuff that you already have, because so much about achieving goals is actually creating new habits yeah. to be able to make stuff happen. And it's also breaking it down. So that idea of like 10 minutes a day, for anything that you want to do, and I actually relate it quite a lot when people say to me, I don't have time to do any learning and development, so I'm kind of falling behind. It's like, well, actually, if you did 10 minutes a day in just the working days in a year, not not even, you know, weekends or when you're supposed to be on holiday and all that kind of stuff, at the end of the year, you'd have more than five full working days worth yeah. of stuff done in 10 minutes a day. But we so often think in these kind of big things, it's like, okay, what could I do for 10 minutes a day that leads me 1% closer to where I want to yeah. be? or even 0.5% closer, but does something towards yeah. it. So I think there are some things that you can do. I don't think there is a perfect thing. I still set goals. That I kind of go, oh, that didn't really happen. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but it's, it's worth thinking about, is this goal actually something I want to do to go through that proud assessment? And then to think about setting stuff that is realistic and will fit into that big thing, you know, kind of come full circle for me, that fits into your life. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to do X, but you physically can't because you're doing Y, why on earth are you even setting this goal? Yeah. So where does it fit? Sometimes you have to delay a goal because you know it's not going to work right now. Sometimes you have to make it smaller. Sometimes you might even think about how do I outsource some of that? How do I delegate some of that? Mm. How do I get someone else doing bits of that goal for me? Sure. So I think we don't, we spend very little time setting them and quite a lot of time moaning about the fact that we haven't done anything towards them. Mm. It's probably more in the setting and the kind of setting yourself up for success where success happens i'm just picturing now outsourcing riding to work and maybe getting like a rickshaw pedalo person to help like, you seriously love it that would be really fun but that, there are some goals that you can't do that kind of outsourcing no, or getting no. other people to help but there are some that you can but, and there are some that you can go do you know what i just might need to as an example you know if you want to build your creativity if that's mm. something you want to build you might need to get some people to help challenge you on that. Yeah. You might need to get a coach to help you with it. You might need to, you know, there's all kinds of people out there in the world that can help do stuff for you, but we often don't think that way. We think, okay, I've got to go and do it. Yeah. Well, like, what is the realistic step? Rather beautifully, the, the goal that perhaps you set yourself three years ago, <laughs> you had to put on pause until you found the right people around you to challenge you, to support yeah. you and to get you to where you need to do, which is where you, where you needed to be, which yeah. was publishing a book, you know, amazing. Yeah. And that's a big goal ticked off your list. So I guess my final question of this extra special episode extra of the Work special. Joy Jam is what's next? And oh. you have noticed you said this book, this book, is there another <laughs> book? <laughs> so one thing I realized when I was writing this book was that there's a lot of other stuff I want to write about. Mm. This. And this book is very much focused on you as an individual, take some personal responsibility. Here are some stuff you can do. You can go and change your world, be Dorothy, click your heels, find ways of making it happen. And, but while I was writing it, I was also like, oh, there's loads of stuff that like bosses and leaders and managers could do to help make this stuff happen yeah and as organizations when we think about kind of the bigger ecosystem of organizations there's some stuff that you can do to build that in to kind of bake it into your organization now i will always advocate for you are responsible for your own work joy but the influence of other people is always going to be there as well so and there's also <laughs> i'm 
I had quite a few bits that came out of the book because it was too long. Um, so I, I do have a Word document that's currently called Workjoy Leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some stuff there that you might see coming out. Ah, but for cool. me, I think, I think, I think not immediately. I think I need to take a break from You've, the writing yeah, process well deserved, and well kind deserved. of just to kind of be excited about this book and share this book and get mm. this book out there. But if there were to be more, I think there would be one about leading work joy and how do you help create that in your team as a leader okay. and i think there might also be one around you know the joyful organization how do we make organizations better and how do we make them more joyful so i think there's something there and I, i've got another book in mind as well but i'll, I'll leave that one for another day because mm. that's a slightly different one not a work joy one well i'm i'm look forward to uh reading those or doing another podcast in the future where we're launching yeah. the joyful organization or the joyful manager i think that'd be fantastic um well beth it's been wonderful having you on my <laughs> podcast that's not really my podcast <laughs> oh no thank you for thank you for asking me to you know ask these questions and chat with you it's always a lovely t- to chat with you but it's so interesting and i think people will really really benefit from getting this book exploring what it means because as you quite rightly say who has time to be gloomy in in if you can help yourself if you if you're in a lucky enough position to be able to help yourself out of it and choose not to be then you know you need the tools around you to help you do that yeah and who would want to choose to be in that zone like nobody would actively choose it so choose something different but here's a toolkit to help you make that actually happen um and I would just really encourage people if you want to read it it's available um in good bookstores it's available on bookshop.org on amazon um you can do a kindle version i, I don't read on screen I, I like a real book i like to feel it but you know lots of people do um and do you go and download as well the workbook that goes alongside it that'll be available from when the book is launched because that'll be your practical toolkit to take with you and to scribble on and to really think about how do you apply the stuff that's in there into your own world and into your own life fantastic And thank you so much, Simon, for stepping into the hosting hot seat. Um, It's been an absolute joy. You see, I'm thinking about how do you outsource this goal to somebody else? (laughs) Job done. There you go. (laughs) Get a member of your squad (laughs) who's good at that stuff and say, can you do this for me? Ask for help. There we go. Demonstrated. Wonderful. Thanks, Simon. Bye.